Uh, we've entitled this sermon series, Together on Mission. So most of you who are regulars here will know that there are three things that we're focusing on on the year ahead, reconnecting with God, reconnecting with each other, reconnecting with mission. Okay, and so this sermon series over the next nine weeks is very much focusing on the third of those, reconnecting on mission. Now imagine for some, as you're hearing that, okay, we're doing it on mission, for some of us, you know, we'll love the idea of thinking about the growth of the church, the expansion of God's kingdom, bringing hope and life and vitality to our community, society, the world around us. Could be someone here looking into Christian things and you thought, yeah, mission, you know, we, we want something to live for, we want to make an impact. Hmm, I wonder what this Christian mission, mission thing is all about. But for uh, many of us, um, when it comes to the nitty gritty of evangelism and actually sharing our faith with others, I would guess that most of us here find this really hard. And the fear of rejection and the social awkwardness. Uh, perhaps we don't feel we're very good at it, doesn't seem to get anywhere. I um, took Bob Flayhart, our speaker from the weekend to stay, to Heathrow Airport on Wednesday morning, so down the Piccadilly Line, it's a, a long route down. Uh, a fellow American um, joined, not me, Bob, um, you know, very early on in the journey. He was a Gators fan, he was kitted out in this whole uniform, Bob was like, Gators, Gators. Anyway, they got into this conversation. Um, he was a book publisher uh, from the US, there was a lot of small talk and chat, and at one point he said, oh, what do, you, what do you guys do for a living? I said, well, we're pastors. He said, oh, that's interesting, I'm a Jew, I'm 81 years old, and um, I've always wondered, you know, how do you know for sure which religion is right? Now, I took this as an opportunity to maybe, you know, say something about Jesus, but you know, we're in a tube and you know, it's socially awkward and everyone's listening in, he was being very loud. So I thought, oh, I'll get Bob involved. He's an American and they can chat about it. I go, Bob, which book would you recommend to this guy who was called Donald? Um, you know, to look into comparative religions. He suggested uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. And this uh, 81 year old Jew just said, never heard of him. And, and quickly turned the conversation. I thought, okay, that's not gonna work. Um, later on in the conversation, he turns to me, you know, quite, he's like a brash New Yorker. He goes, what three things do you need to be happy in life? I thought, ooh, he, he was quoting from one of these books he's recently published. What three things? I don't, I don't know. Uh, family, yes. Well done, clever boy. I thought, thank you. And uh, before I could say the second and third one, he said, make a living and have someone that really matters to you. Um, do you agree? And um, <laughs> so I put on the spot, right, right up in my face. Do you agree? And I was like, oh, I better say something. I said, well, look, if that person, that someone that really matters is Jesus, who's the meaning of life and the answer to death, yes, I do agree with you. Like complete silence in the tube, right? Because you can imagine like metaphorical tumbleweed drifting by. It was like, he was looking at me, but it was sort of like glazed face. Do you get that with people? They sort of like, heard what you say, they don't get it at all. There was this pause, it felt really awkward. Probably, I felt it for a minute, it's probably only a few seconds. Anyway, as I was saying, and he moved the conversation, conversation on again, which is all by way of saying evangelism can be really hard. I find it really hard. Don't you find it really hard? Trying to talk about Jesus and it's just, there's just no connection, absolutely nothing. It seems that people are up. Anyhow, that was my experience earlier on this week. And that is why the book of Acts is such a tonic, I suggest, for our soul. Because in this book and in these chapters 11 to 20 that we're looking at over the next nine weeks, we are gonna see what God himself can do in mission. And his power, the power of the Holy Spirit at work through the church to build his kingdom, to expand the church, 
And it happens in an unstoppable way. Nothing can get in God's way. The book of Acts is, if you like, inspirational biography. This is a historical record of the power of God to grow the church. These events really happened. And that same power is available to us today. Okay, so I want us to be encouraged, not feeling, oh, you've got to go out, you've got to evangelize. No, this is God at work in us. Now, we're jumping in here at chapter 11. We're actually picking up from a few years ago. Many of you remember, we did Acts 1 to 11, 18 a few years ago. Um, so let me just reorientate us. If you look at verse 18, the last verse that we looked at years ago um, from the previous section, and it says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. There are three big movements in the book of Acts. As God grows his church originally to the Jewish people, chapters 1 to 7, Jerusalem and Judea, it then moves out, the second movement, this transitional period, chapters 8 to 12 in Samaria, and then out again to the entire gentle world, chapters 13 to the end of the book. So we're parachuting back in, in this um, transitional period. And here in Antioch, our passage today, verses 19 to 30, we see God grow his church in four ways. Through unnamed individuals, through his own hand, through apostolic teaching, and through loving generosity. Okay, we're just going to go through the passage, see this one by one. And if we want similar growth today, this, I suggest, is how the Lord is going to work it out. Okay, first of all, God grows his church through ordinary, unnamed people. Verses 19 to 20. Now, those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, back in chapter 7, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. But, verse 20, some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Here is this massively significant moment in the expansion of the church, right? As it's moving to Antioch, and people are telling others about the good news about the Lord Jesus. What does that mean, the good news about the Lord Jesus? Well, that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. He's Lord over our lives. He's Lord over sin. He's paid for it. He's Lord over death. He's risen from the dead. He's Lord ruling and reigning over the universe now. He's offering the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit to all those who trust in him. This is the good news about the Lord Jesus moving out beyond Jerusalem and Judea from not just the Jews only, but now to Greeks also, Gentiles. That's the whole world at the time, Jew and Gentile. This incredibly significant moment in history. And how does this really significant moment come about? Like, through whom does it happen? Is it through a church leader? Is it through a really gifted evangelist? Is it through one of the 12 apostles? No, I can see you shaking your head. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, we don't even know their names. These are just a bunch of ordinary, unnamed individuals, persecuted and scattered, and yet willing to share the good news about the Lord Jesus with anyone that they come in contact with. God grows his church through ordinary, 
unnamed people. When you hear the word evangelist, when you think of an evangelist, what, what comes into your mind's eye? Who perhaps do you imagine? Do you imagine a, a Billy Graham? Do you imagine a Rico Tice, very famous evangelist here in the UK? Someone who's very gifted, very articulate, can explain the Christian message just so engagingly and winsomely. Do you imagine a tele-evangelist? Very charismatic, very persuasive. Do you think of someone who can just so easily respond to people's questions about the Christian faith? Many people think of evangelists in this way. Now, think of the person who is most influential. If you're a Christian here, think of the person who is most influential in you becoming a Christian. Who were they? What were they like? A mom or dad who loved you, prayed for you, taught the Bible to you, modeled Jesus to you. Perhaps a friend, a colleague who came alongside you, befriended you, shared his, their life with you, and how influential Jesus had been. On, I bet you don't even know the name of the person who was most influential in me becoming a Christian. Just an ordinary member of Christ's body willing to share her faith with other people and share her faith with me. And these are the evangelists too. Now why is there this disconnect in our understanding of evangelism? It could be a Christian manifestation of a broader celebrity culture with the result that we think the world is shaped by celebrities and perhaps in the church too. It is just not true. Please be sure of that. Do you feel like God could never use you to bring another person to faith in Jesus Christ? Not true. Do you feel like you would need to be an expert in apologetics or a lot better than you are now? Know your Bible inside out before God could use you to share your faith with others. Not true. Really good to know our Bibles. Really good to know some apologetics. God is not but dependent on that. God can use you just as you are. I've recently become a Christian. Jesus is great. Do you want to know some more? He grows his church through unnamed, ordinary individuals. Do you feel very ordinary as a Christian? You think to yourself, who am I to speak to others about Jesus? I mean, I'm not an ordained minister. I'm not on staff. I'm not an inspire group leader. I'll leave it to them. Not true. God will uniquely use you. Ordinary, unnamed, unknown people, just like you and me. Who has God put in your life right now to share the good news about the Lord Jesus with. Who might you meet in the week ahead who you could share your faith in Jesus with? Be on the lookout for God's leading. Be sensitive to the Spirit at work. God grows his church through ordinary people willing to share their faith in Jesus with others. Secondly, God grows his church through his own hand. Glance down at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. We live in an age characterized by technique, and the idea that we can apply processes to things and get guaranteed outcomes. And so when it comes to evangelism, there's always the cool new idea, the cool new book, the cool new approach that will finally make evangelism easy and make it work. There won't be any awkwardness. You'll just fly off the tongue. Oh, wow, yeah, I'd like to be a Christian. It's, that would be 
trying to grow the church through our own hands. It is only through the Lord's hands that the hardness of the human heart can be softened, only through the Lord's hand that people can be drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. God grows His church through His own hand. On that tube journey back from Heathrow, having dropped Bob off on Wednesday morning, I was sitting by myself, I was reading a book, it's quite empty as you start off the journey back, and someone leant over a couple of seats and like tapped me on the arm. I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? You know, what have I done wrong? Um, but it was, it was a lady who was just wanting to be friendly and wanting a conversation partner on the way into um, London. Um, uh, are you from around here? I asked. She goes, no, I'm a tourist. It was quite hard to hear her. She was wearing a mask. So again, leaning over is a little bit awkward on the tube. But, you know, I'd had that experience on the way in to, you know, to Heathrow. So I thought the Lord maybe was preparing me for this on the way back. So I tried to push through this, that sort of social weirdness. Anyhow, um, she says, um, are you with the church? <laughs> Inside, I thought, my goodness, is it that obvious? I said, why do you say that? Um, she said, oh, I was looking over your shoulder at the book you were reading. I was reading a book on Christian leadership. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I'm a minister in the church. She goes, oh, yeah, people don't really think much of Jesus nowadays, do they? They don't really know who he is. I said, no, you're, you're quite right on that. A few moments later, she goes, my mum's really ill. She's about to die. I think she's holding on for me to go see her. I said, oh, my goodness, that's, that's awful. I, I really hope you can see her. I'm, I'm really sorry to, to hear that. She goes, people aren't really satisfied anymore, are they? I said, how do you mean? I go, well, you know, we've got more than ever before now, money, the rest of it, but uh, people, the more that people have, the least satisfied they seem. I said, okay, yeah, no, good point. She says, um, she says yeah, I try to pray. Um, I, I think it works. Now, by the way, I'm giving a little summary of the conversation here. It wasn't that sort of staccato at that, but over five, ten minutes, you know, she's saying all this to me. And I, <laughs> inside, I was thinking to myself, Mark, just, just take a step back from this conversation. Here is someone who has reached out to you and tapped you on the arm, saying they want to have a conversation with you. They're saying the mother's about to die, and they're looking for some help with that. They're saying, not satisfied in life, maybe you can help. And she thinks prayer might work, but she's untoo sure. Don't you think the Lord's hand might be on this conversation, Mark, and you're a minister of the church, and it might be you want to say something about Jesus right now? I said, well, look, like I, I'm not sure if you ever read the Bible. I believe that the you know, Bible, God speaks to us. Through, through the Bible. You know, I was mumbling some stuff out. And, and she goes, oh yeah, actually I, I've got an app on my phone, a Bible app on my phone. Never use it. I said, I said why don't you get it up? She gets it up. I say, can I, can I get something up? So I lean over to her and it's one of these red letter Bible apps so I can actually see where I'm going. I go to John 11 in verses 25 to 26. I say, look, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. If you get to see your mum, give her that verse. And it's a verse not just for her, but it's for you too. So I, I do that, and then, you know, what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for the tumbleweed, I'm waiting for the silence, I'm waiting for that glazed look. This time I got a smile. So he goes, oh, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. I'm going to keep that app open for the rest of the day. Now, before we could go any further, the doors opened, that was her stop, and off she went. Why do I tell you this story? Certainly not to big me up. I was stumbling around, I was just lost in my book, I didn't really know what was going on until the Lord prompted me. I tell you that story to big God up because he can open and close conversations as easy as that. On the way to Heathrow, <clears throat> conversation completely closed. On the way back from Heathrow, with this woman, conversations opened up. The Lord grows his church through his own hand. I'm not saying that woman's now a Christian, hopefully the Lord's nudged her in the right direction. But we need the Lord at work. You could be the most articulate, fluent, apologetic, gifted person, there is. But if the Lord is not at work, softening hearts, drawing people to faith in Jesus Christ, you're just going to get that glazed look 
time and time again. The church is grows through the Lord's hand. I think this is wonderfully liberating because ultimately it doesn't come down to us. I think it's wonderfully exciting because in any conversation you don't know which way it's going to go. All right, Lord, you show me. And perhaps it's a reminder to us all just the need to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying for our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, for ourselves, to have boldness, to, to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading, to step out in faith, whatever happens. The prayer gathering, this Wednesday. You know that, right? It's not the first Wednesday of the month. We're bringing it forward so as many people as possible can be praying for the Jubilee on the green. Please come. Please make it a priority. Please invite. We need the Lord more than anyone or anything else as he sends us out on mission into our communities and society and across London. Thirdly, God grows his church through apostolic teaching. And now we do get some big names who come into Antioch to say, hey, what's going on here? You know, is, is this legitimate? We get Barnabas in verses 22 to 24. We get Saul in verses 25 and 26, also known as the Apostle Paul. Verse 23, when Barnabas arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. Fascinating again, the focus on the Lord, it's what he's doing through these unnamed individuals sharing about Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. It is one thing to have a great number of people believe and turn to the Lord. It is a separate thing and quite another thing to have all those people remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Um, I knew uh, a Church of England minister who was a really gifted evangelist. Had an incredible love uh, for people outside the church, an incredible ability to share Jesus um, with them, such that many people would join the church um, through his ministry. But there wasn't as strong a teaching ministry in the church as well. And so over time, people would drift from Jesus and drift from the church. You had many people coming into the church through the front door and many people slipping out the church via the back door. And the church never really grew in number or maturity. But do you see Barnabas and Saul here in the middle of verse 26? For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first here at Antioch. You know, a whole year devoted to the apostles' teaching. A whole year of this teaching ministry. Just think of the impact that must have been taking place in Antioch as the Christians were living out this, this teaching they were receiving, such that the people in Antioch come up with this new name for the social phenomenon. And these are the Christians, these followers of Jesus Christ. Look at them, and they're all growing, and they're all maturing, and this impact they're having in, in their lives. Their families and communities being transformed by Jesus. You know, amazing or, or worrying or whatever, but this is who they are. God grows the church in breadth and depth through apostolic teaching. One of the reasons we've tweaked the um, Inspire Group schedule this term is precisely to put this focus on apostolic teaching, teaching of the apostles, teaching of the Bible, Bible teaching. And so we're having our second, third, and fourth Wednesdays applying the sermon from Sunday to our hearts and lives. But as we do that, let's make sure that we don't lose sight of the mission to go out and share our faith with others. So as we do a sermon series in mission, we're applying that every Wednesday. Let's make sure that we're applying that element as well. So we're doing both and. Evangelism and discipleship, sharing our faith with Jesus and growing in our faith 
together, right? Some of us are going to lean one of two ways. Some of us are naturally externally facing and like to share our faith with others. Perhaps some of us are more internally facing and like to grow in our faith with others. We need both for the church to grow in numbers and in depth. So with respect to teaching, do you have a gift for it? And if you do, where in the church might God be leading you to use it? Is there a particular area in your Christian life right now where you think the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to go deeper in this. Get more teaching on this. This is really important for you right now. And what is going to be your next step for that? Who are you going to chat to? Which book are you going to read? Which friend are you going to talk to about it? Because God grows his church through apostolic teaching. Fourthly and finally, God grows his church through loving generosity. Let me read from verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea, and this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so here we have this magnificent picture of gospel partnership. These two churches in um, Jerusalem and Antioch. And from Jerusalem, you know, they send Barnabas and Saul to strengthen these new Christians at Antioch in their faith. And then the church in Antioch sends this financial gift back with Barnabas and Saul to Jerusalem for this famine uh, relief. This, This loving generosity in word and deed, from one church to the other, to the other church uh, back again. Many of you have said to me just this past week how much you really enjoyed Bob Flayhart coming over from Oak Mountain Presbyterian Church, strengthening us in our faith in Jesus Christ with the gospel walls. Many of you said how much you've loved it, the way he shared his life uh, with us. You know, it's great to have this gospel partnership between the two churches so that I can be there in February speaking at their missions conference. Bob is here in May for our weekend day. They're sending a short-term mission trip to us back at the Holiday Club, strengthening one another, supporting one another. It's a wonderful thing. I was really encouraged on Thursday evening when the leadership team um, voted to have 10% of our church income go to mission partners across the world. A lot of money going to welcome churches, which supports refugees in this country. Loving generosity through word and deed. Strengthening the church, supporting the church, growing the church together. Notice none of this is forced. Verse 29. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help. So let me ask, with no compulsion, Are you able, are you willing to give financially to the church, to mission partners, to the church around the world? Perhaps you have a heart for the persecuted church right now. Perhaps you have a heart for the church in Ukraine. Artem's here. Speak to him. He'll be able to let you know how best we can provide help. Supporting our Christian brothers and sisters in other churches around the world, not just focusing on ourselves, but this loving generosity in word Indeed. Okay, so there we have it. God grows his church in these four ways. Through unnamed people, through his own hand, through apostolic teaching, through loving generosity. Just imagine what it would be like. Okay, we've got nine weeks in this sermon series. Imagine what it would be like if we begin to step out in faith. And just just try it out, right? Just be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Let's try out sharing our faith with others. Okay, we get the fear of rejection, the social awkwardness. Let's give it a go. 
Imagine what it's like if we're really dependent on the Lord's hand with us. Let's imagine if we're really wanting to grow deeper in our walk with the Lord and through the apostles' teaching that we are lovingly generous with each other. Just think what the Lord could do through us. Not just in these nine weeks, but then through months, through years, through terms. As a great number of people believe and turn to the Lord. Well, look, let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the way you equip us as a church through your word. And as we're really wanting to reconnect, not just with you and each other, but on mission, we thank you for the book of Acts. And thank you for the encouragement it is to see you being the first mover. You at work to send your spirit to empower us. You to grow your church and build your church and expand your church such that it's completely unstoppable. So please would you embolden us to share our faith with Jesus wherever we're coming from on this, taking comfort from the fact that you use ordinary, unnamed people. Please would your hand be upon us because we desperately need you to be at work in the hearts and minds and lives of those we share Jesus with. Please help us to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and want to teach others. We want people to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts for many years. And we want to be a church that really lives out our faith in loving generosity, in word and deed. We can't do this ourselves, not that one as a church. We need the support of others, and others need the support of us. So we ask, please, that you would grow our church numerically, spiritually, in maturity and depth, and to your glory alone. Amen.